Coming up on Chasing the Natty, in what might have been the best weekend of college football in years, there are so many takeaways to be had from Week 7. Nate and I will discuss the incredible games and spectacles, the nuclear performances we saw from players this past week, and of course, a whole batch of players to look out for on your waivers this week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. I know I would be having a great ride to my work on this Monday morning if I was thinking about the absolutely incredible weekend of college football that we had the pleasure of witnessing this past week. Good God, I, I it's been a, like I love college football, but man, it has been a while. Since I have been that spoiled with game, just great games throughout the entire day, start to finish, just seeing, again, great moment after great moment. I Again, we're going to get all into that. We got, like I mentioned at the top of it, uh, we'll be discussing all those games. We'll be discussing some of those players that went absolutely nuclear this week. Um, we'll discuss waiver wire pickups and everything. We are going to skip on the freakout scale this week. Again, uh, we just decided that uh, there weren't really a lot of players that were worth discussing on that right now. A lot of the players that we expect to do well are doing well. So we'll probably get back to that maybe next week or in a, in a few weeks when players start to fall off a little bit. But anyway, who is we? Of course, it is always our wonderful co-host here, Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great, man. I'm great. It's uh, like you mentioned, incredible Saturday that was uh, an absolute thrill to watch. I vegged out on the couch, had a couple of nice beers. Um, all of the all the cigars being smoked in uh, in Knoxville almost inspired me to to go out on the back porch and and have a, Pop one. Have a cigar as well. So yeah, just an incredible scene uh, that it was, and and it was it was hard to try to. Uh, I don't know, get my attention focused on on one game just because on, on another channel was just going crazy as well. Double overtime, you know, and, and one and 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 just a shootout in the other. It's just it was incredible. I have never been more thankful to have a multicast feature on my on my uh, TV because like, again, have, having multiple games up at the same time, be able to switch back and forth between different ones. Uh, what do you use? Do you stream or use cable? Um. I use streaming. Um, again, I'm I again. It's just been a. It really was a great day. Again, that that three thirty slate, especially between. Um, but again, I was watching my Georgia Bulldogs, obviously. But again, watching Oklahoma State, TCU, and Alabama, um, and Alabama, Tennessee, both of those games on at the same time. Like God, Lee, dude, I it was sensory overload. I couldn't handle everything that was going on. It was awesome. And then we got an awesome night slate. We'll get into all this, but um, 
Yeah, let's just go ahead and get right into this. Uh, originally, I was going to talk about some of the players first and everything, but we can talk about the players afterwards. Nate, where do you begin on this? On like when it comes to covering some of these games from uh, this past week, dude. We ha- we have to begin with Bama and Tennessee. I mean, that was just an epic epic game, and you're talking about two top six teams. Um, seeing that shootout between Bryce Young and um, Hooker, I mean, just going back and forth. What just I I don't I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it was uh, with Hyatt going off. It was one of those weird deals where I mean he was just every time he touched the ball, he was getting to the end zone. Literally uh, uh, he only had one catch where he didn't find the end zone. It, mm-hmm. was, it was crazy, crazy performance. Gibbs was amazing. Uh, he was, he really over the last three weeks has shown me some things about his ability to run between the tackles, take on contact, finish runs, fall forward, all those things that we really had not seen from him in two years at Georgia tech and, and the first half of the season. But like we talked about, man, if Alabama gets, challenged like they have the last few weeks he's a he's a great start because he they they just they will use him for some serious volume and if if they are not challenged then they can sit him and arrest him for games exactly like like we saw this weekend i mean you even over the past couple of years with the alabama running backs it's been very rare that we've seen one running back be the guy from week one all the way through, the guy that's going to get two touchdowns every week, the guy that's going to get 100 yards every single week. Usually things kind of shake themselves out, and we saw that again this year. Jameer Gibbs, I really think, is one of the most important CFF assets moving forward. Had he been performing like he has been the last couple of weeks through the first couple of seasons, he'd probably be the RB1 right now. And again, like he is helping out with this Alabama offense in a way that I don't think even really... A lot of us expect, I mean, a lot of us expected him to be really good, but don't get me wrong, but like with Alabama not really kind of settling in on the passing game, like Bryce Young's still great and everything, but Gibbs is really kind of helping them open up that passing game that's struggling a little bit because again, he is a threat on the ground. We, we yeah. all thought he might have been just another receiving threat, but he's, he's helping them out. Man, I, there's one kind of main takeaway here because I was texting back and forth to my sister basically this entire game. She's an Alabama fan. Um, hmm. So we, we were discussing the whole game. Um, and one thought kind of kept popping into my head when it comes to how Tennessee performed in this game. And that is that Alabama really got a taste yesterday of what it is like, what it has, has been like to face Alabama these last couple of years. Where it feels like you can claw, like, claw your way to every point that you can get, but it doesn't matter because there's one play away from Tennessee at any given moment, they can have a 60, 70 yard shot down the field and boom, they got a touchdown. Boom, you're right back where you started. You're seven points behind, you're 14 points behind. And again, Alabama's um, DBs, again, I don't want to say they got exposed yesterday because again, they're great players. Um, It's just, it was a mismatch. Jalen Hyatt was a mismatch for them all day long. Again, you mentioned it, Nate. He only had one catch that wasn't a touchdown. That wasn't on, or that was on purpose. He was that play that it's like whenever you're playing Madden, if you're playing the computer especially, and you just find out that there is one play that just keeps working for you over and over and over again, the defense mm-hmm. can't stop it. That's what they did with Hyatt all day long yesterday. And it was yeah. like a video game. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's 
And that's a great point. Alabama kind of gets a taste of their own medicine, really, and what it's like to face an offense. It's absolutely unstoppable. I mean, take it from an OU fan. It it puts a lot of pressure on your offense if you know you have to score every dang possession. Yep. And that kind of where even though you know your offense is great, you have to you have to take the ball out. I mean, every time you get the ball, you're like, gosh, we have to score this possession. Otherwise, we're going to continue to fall behind. Oh, yeah. But yeah. The the performance that the two quarterbacks put on man, Bryce Young, I swear he is impossible to tackle in a phone booth. That guy is so slippery in, in the backfield. I put out a tweet yesterday. I still think people are underrated, Bryce Young. I do not think people realize how much oh. that man elevates Alabama. And Alabama's a hard team to elevate. He That's had, how special he is, dude. He had the... So, I mean, countless times he he slithered out of out of getting sacked just because of his his ability to to just move around in the pocket and of course he never really does it to run he's he he doesn't do it to advance with his legs he does it to free up time with his arm and a couple times he just made incredible escape moves and then throws just pinpoint passes down to the sidelines over defenders right i mean you know in a one foot window he's placing it right there 25 yards downfield it's it's incredible and and hinden hooker is one of the most underrated deep ball passers. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about just incredible accuracy on those throws to Hyatt and and in all of these. And what's still mind-boggling is, is that that's what this offense that Heupel and Ghoulish is predicated on, is how do you throw the deep ball and how can you yep. be accurate with the deep ball? Because they're constantly pushing it downfield. And yet Joe Milton, of all people, started the first two weeks last year who has one of the I still don't get that accurate deep balls sure he can throw it a mile that's why he was <laughs> that's why he was in on the uh, on the hell mary attempt right before half but he is so incredibly inaccurate but yeah what what a great what a great game it re- it really was and like again i i again being honest here i was rooting for bama in this game again like i it, my family is mostly alabama fans we all don't like tennessee for the most part uh because again I'm, I'm a georgia fan they're tennessee or they're alabama fans so that's kind of where the overlap is same with auburn we, bo- we both hate auburn no. uh, but man it again just from a neutral perspective that that's probably going to be game of the year by the end of this year now later in the night we got a game that is going to give it a run for its money and i'm going to go there next yeah. utah takes down usc 43 to 42 God, what an incredible game. This was, again, once again, another just offensive shootout right here. Play play after play being made. Uh, not as many plays on the defense being made in this game. Again, with Alabama-Tennessee, you had stops. You had um, turnovers made by the defense at certain points during the game. Utah-USC is just pure offensive shootout. And Caleb Williams, man, going into this game, a lot of people thought he could struggle against this Utah uh, defense and he really put on a show for the most part i believe he's one of the quarterbacks this week that easily hit over 40 points if not higher um and he like man it, again it, this this weekend has been so hard to put into words of like exactly how how incredible it truly was I, this was a game at the in the fourth quarter the cameras you could see shaking in the fourth quarter, you can see the camera shaking by just how loud, how ruckus that stadium was trying to take down Caleb Williams and this USC offense in the fourth quarter. I again, I'm so giddy from this game 
Nate, what is your thoughts on it? I what I loved about this game, and I think what makes Kyle uh, Whittingham so good, I, I think he's one of the ten best coaches in America. He's he's criminally underrated as far as his ability as a coach and what he's done there at Utah. But th- I think this game was a perfect example of the difference between him and say somebody like Jimbo Fisher. And I know we beat up on Jimbo all the time on this yeah. pod. It, it seems to be a, a reoccurring theme. It's not intentional. Um, but you could tell after about a quarter into this game, you could tell Whitting, Whittingham is just like, you know what? We're not running the ball anymore. We yeah. are going to pass the ball like crazy because we can expose their DBs. We're, we're going to get out of this normal Utah pattern of we're just going to pound it down your throat, yep. get five to six yards of carry and that type of thing. And I mean, Dalton Kincaid was obviously the biggest beneficiary of this. Oh, change. yeah. But they even said after the game that Whittingham told um, uh, Andy, uh, uh, I forget the offense quarter's name, Andy, Lud- Andy Ludwig, I think is his name, um, told him that, hey, anytime we make it past the 50, four downs every time, every mm-hmm. possession, there are no there are no punts, there are no field goals. We're going for it every time when we get past the, uh, the 50. So it's just that incredible mentality of we're going to be crazy aggressive. And, and then it showed on the last play going oh, for yeah. two. Uh, I was frustrated personally because, you know, me, I, I own Caleb in just about every league and I needed that overtime points, man. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but incredible amount of shootouts. You needed every point you could get just to um, just to secure your week. But yeah, I mean, you, the him going for it for two, another show, you know, another sign of just how aggressive he wanted to be in that game. And, and again, it, it's one of those things where if they don't make the two point, everybody hates him, hates on him for it. But because they did, he looks like a genius. Right. But honestly, I think, again, I think he made the, uh, normally I kind of am against that. I'd rather just go for the overtime. But again, we clearly saw that entire game. Nobody, neither one of these defenses were stopping either one of these offenses. You didn't want to get into a continued shootout with USC. Mm-hmm. I He made the right decision knowing that his offense, as great as they had played, was not going to be able to keep up with USC all day long. It's just go for it, win it right there. And Kim Rising... What an incredible day he had right there. Um, again, we'll get into some of these individual player performances in a bit here, but uh, again. I think it was a big game changer, too, when um, Jordan Addison went down with an injury. That, that, that I, I knew I was offense, forgetting something, yes. Yeah, I mean, that USC offense, his ability to get into space and and get open and then hit you know the damage he could do with the ball in his hands after he catches it it looked like a slightly different usc offense um mm. after that happened so i think that that was a pretty big takeaway from that game as well it's going to be a, they have a bye week yeah uh, we don't know how in, how how severe the injury is to addison addison but, was um, seen on crutches on the side yeah i mean it, de- it definitely didn't look good he looked like he was in a ton of pain um so you know that that's a that's a real bummer for him but that it's possible that that offense isn't quite as effective moving forward without him being a, the the cog in that pass game on the silver lining of these things i am a i am a manager of a lot of mario williams shares and yeah. so if 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 addison's a, out for an extended period of time those those shares just went Whew! yeah no doubt um other games here we could talk about uh oklahoma tcu man or oklahoma state tcu excuse yeah. me Man, it looked like that Oklahoma State was ready to have TCU's number the first half of this game. And then I know, again, one of my favorite things to do in games that I don't quite catch every little detail of. Again, this this game was on at the same time as the Alabama-Tennessee out and Georgia-Vanderbilt game. So uh, this one was getting about a third of my attention at most. Uh, I love going on to the Reddit threads. Um, 
on the r slash cfb reddit subreddit because that is where you'll get just the pure reaction of fans th- people pointing things out that you will never expect and so many of them were so quick to point out that the moment oklahoma state went into halftime with the lead mike gundy shut it down tried to ru- try to run the ball couldn't like wanted to um, just kind of run the game clock out, and TCU would not give up. Quentin Johnson, your boy, had another mm-hmm. great day. Quentin Johnson's season is fully a go right now. Uh, eight receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown for him. He had an incredible day. Um, again, this was just a fun game, went into overtime. Uh, mm-hmm. What were you thinking, Nate? Yeah, I watched quite a bit of this one, uh, you know, trying to go back and forth between this one and the Alabama-Tennessee game. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It was it was really weird to see Oklahoma State just kind of go into this this shell and and not push the ball downfield at all. Maybe it had something to do with it, the fact that we knew that Spencer Sanders was banged up and they just didn't want to, you know, they, they just wanted to get out of there as quickly as they could, really. And yeah. uh, it looked like they had that thing secured, I think, with like, a minute 30 left in the third quarter they were up by 14 um but yeah um TCU kept chipping away chipping away and and obviously it's a Sonny Dykes offense so they can they can score in a hurry at times yep um Kendra Miller is a a fantastic running back and you know say what you will about Max Duggan um he's clearly improved he's clearly oh, yeah. a better quarterback with Sonny Dykes as as his oh, uh, yeah. as his offense and 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 um Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's uh, brother, is his offensive coordinator. So that's, um, I mean, you can tell that he is really comfortable in that system. And uh, he got banged up a little bit too, mm-hmm. but I think, um, you know, that he he still played through in, in overtime. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's clear that they he has realized that, uh, oh, yeah, I've got a first-round draft pick uh, out on the uh, on the the boundary here as my wide receiver, I should probably get him the ball. I would say probably take advantage of that just a little bit more. Yeah. And it yeah. does, and it does help that they also have, again, Darius Davis and uh, Tay Barber are two guys that have kind of emerged here. And so it takes some of the pressure off of Quentin Johnson just a little bit, because if you're going to double up on Quentin Johnson, those other two guys are going to beat you. They as have so as much speed. Their yeah. wide receivers are crazy fast. Yep. They can, they can really, Similar to Tennessee, man, they can stretch the field a lot, and that's tough. That's tough to defend. Oh yeah, Dykes walked into a perfect scenario when he picked TCU as his next job. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then on the Oklahoma State side of things, again, there are rumors that Spencer Sanders was not going to play in this game; that he was banged up, he was injured. I, based on that first half performance at the very least, didn't look like it at all. He looked like he was totally fine. Yeah, uh, completely tore up TCU there for a little bit, but. I, again, I'm I'm also really happy because again, I was really fearing for a lot of my picks from Saturday because I picked TCU to win, I picked Utah to win, and like all my teams started coming back right at the very end. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, talk real quick. I want to talk about Michigan first. Yeah, a let's talk about that. What that performance say that that you mean they're lacking. 416 rushing yards? That was insane, man. I was sitting there, I was watching this, and of course, um, for me, it was a really freezing cold takes reality hit kind of day uh with with the fact that i that i had blake Corum and charlie jones uh, on the recent article that i wrote as far as like guys that are unlikely to you know or, or most likely to see a regression and oh yeah I'll, I'll be damned if if blake Corum's uh michigan just doesn't care they don't care who they're playing nope. they don't they don't care what the deal is they're just going to run it down your throat and they are so good at it and yeah 
and Blake Corum is just a fantastic running back, man. His vision is great. He is, it was incredible. And Donovan, Donovan Edwards even put up yeah. like close to 175 yards and a couple touchdowns. It's just, they were just breaking off massive runs on Penn State. I, I don't Dude, know. I don't know what to make of it. Penn State going into this game was the fifth rushing defense in the country. They gave you, up, they gave up more yards against Michigan on the ground than they did the entire year do you think penn state is a little bit of a fraud or do we just think michigan is that dominant with their offensive system and what they want to do i think michigan is a legit contender for the big 10 i think they're going to give ohio state a good run for their money and similar in a way that tennessee clearly is challenging alabama and is going to later challenge georgia down the line do i think that they're in that top tier yet I don't think I'm ready to put them there yet because, again, just based on recruiting, based on um, just historical trends and everything like that, I think they're not quite there yet. However, I do think they have perfected the system that they want to do, and that is always a scary thing for anybody that has to go up against them. So I read I read a stat that James Franklin is like 0-10 versus top 10 teams. Yeah, especially on the road. He's atrocious. Like I, yeah, I, 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 I had no problem picking Michigan in this game to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Michigan can can just basically, uh, you know, beat up teams the way that they did Penn State, then I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't know that Ohio State is going to face anything quite like this. And it is it is going to be interesting to see if Michigan does come out and just kind of punches Ohio State in the mouth with this run game, those first couple drives and see how Ohio State responds. Yeah, well, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. I mean, we'll see. Again, they punched him in the mouth last year and went on to win the Big Ten, went on to the playoff and everything like that. So maybe Ohio I, State doesn't get caught off guard this year. I know that a lot of people are like clamoring and and thinking that this is gonna be the the game that pushes James Franklin into making the QB switch. No, and I <laughs> I will say. Uh, you're going to be disappointed. There, there are a handful of coaches out there that are absolutely will dig their heels in and and go kicking and screaming before <laughs> they start a freshman over a proven commodity. And James Franklin is one of those guys. So I'll oh, be, yeah. I'll be shocked if Drew Alar comes in and and all of a sudden starts getting snaps. Oh yeah, if he if he didn't throw Drew Alar out during this game, there's no way he's gonna make that switch. Are they on a bye this week? He did play at the end of the game. Oh, did he? I think that's what that. Yeah, they they uh, made. Okay. I mean, it was it was out of hand, but I mean, I think Alar went like five for ten or something like that. I mean, it, make no mistake, Sean Clifford was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if if an official QB change happens. Yeah, you you ate some crow on some of your uh, plays this week in terms of uh, guys regressing, Nate. But I'll eat, I'll eat some crow on a pick that I think all of us really made on Saturday. But I, I got to get props to them. Props to Kentucky. Um, they oh, yeah. they shocked me on this one. I really thought Mississippi State was catching them at a bad time. I thought that Mississippi State would be able to go in there, not do whatever they want. I ima- I, I figured that they would be slowed down a little bit, but man, Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez really is a game changer for them. They couldn't run the ball to save their lives without him. And he put up close to 200 yards yesterday against this Mississippi State defense, which is a pretty good run defense, no doubt about it. And again, Chris Rodriguez, if you held on to him, just holding on to him like down in your like injury reserves or just somewhere on your bench, 
He's paying off for you big time right now. I'm worried about my under that I took on him uh, on prize picks the season long. Mm-hmm. And he missed four games. And he's yeah. already almost halfway to beating his like season long. And he's only played, like, what, three games so far? I, yeah. again, he's been incredible. So, pro- again, props to Kentucky. I, I, again, they, they caught me off guard on that one. Luckily for you, they still have Georgia. So there's at least one game left where he's... He's unlikely to go off. I, mean, I don't know. George is giving up like one ex- big explosive play pretty much every game that they've gotten. It usually yeah. goes to one of the better players on yeah. on the team. So we'll I, see. I think what we probably saw in this Mississippi State-Kentucky game, number one, Leach always will have a clunker or two that he'll throw out there each season. So it's oh, possible yeah. that this is the one. It's a road game right before they play Alabama against a Kentucky team that had been kind of, you know, okay, not great lately. Yeah. And, and uh, Will Levis being banged up and stuff like that. They probably thought they could go in there, set their helmets on the, on the, on the field and, and walk out a winner and, and go get ready for Alabama. And that, that definitely did not happen. So nope. that's, yeah, like I said, Leach has a clunker or two and Kentucky's got a, a solid enough defense to figure out some of that air raid stuff. Yeah. Um, last one that I really wanted to hit on real quick before we hopped into some of these players was the end of that Texas Iowa state game. Oh my God, dude. I felt terrible for Xavier Hutchinson. Did you see that drop? Oh, I know. I, 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 that was one of the games I was watching at noon. I, again, dude, I have been clamoring for Iowa state to get a win. They, they, they have lost their last four conference games by a combined 14 points, dude. Yeah. I like Anyway, continue what you're going to say. I, I was just going to say, man, I it, for for an Oklahoma fan, we were so close to having the 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 perfect day. Oklahoma wins, Oklahoma State loses, and Texas was supposed to lose, and it looked like that. Like when that ball was in the air, and, and Xavier Hutchinson was just streaking free uh, with nobody within like ten yards of him. I'm like, all right, here we go, touchdown. Texas is finally going to get uh, exposed a little bit here, and this amazing wide receiver just straight up dropped the ball. I, I, I can't literally drop the ball. Um, and then and then uh you know they continue on the drive and hunter deckers just gets absolutely plowed right in his kind of basically his neck area and uh is unable to and he ends up fumbling on that play and should have been a target game over it definitely should have yeah i we have seen on on you know with the incredible amount of targeting calls there have been this year we have seen way way worse called like way lighter hits yeah. get called for targeting than that one right there so that yeah. was that was a it was a crazy finish and um but you know props I, to to Bijan in Texas because they they found a way to to come out winning oh yeah again they, they made they made plays when they needed to again that that second quarter really helped out Texas a lot once that offense got going because it looked rough in the first quarter mm-hmm. Iowa State looked very legit this is another this is another game where again I had a prop I had a prop where uh, I wanted uh, Bert Auburn over two field or over one and a half field goals, and as soon as he missed the first one in the first quarter, I'm like, well, that props out the window. I bet he's never going to get that chance back. Yeah. So, uh, any more games I want to throw out here? Um, Oklahoma Kansas that was a, that was a kind of a fun one. Just just talk about your team for a little bit here, Nate. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it a little bit last week uh, on the pod. I I I don't think, and this this isn't hyperbole. I don't think there's any one player, maybe Hinden Hooker. I don't know that there's any one player that means more to their team. He's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to be. He's probably not going to be first team All Big Twelve. But Dylan Gabriel 
is probably the most important player to his team because the drop-off between him and Davis Bevel is Grand Canyon is the Grand Canyon a hundred percent. And so with having him back, the offense looked totally different and they were definitely clicking on, on all cylinders. They were scoring with ease. The defense was uh, not good again. So <laughs> if you, uh, if you have um, any Oklahoma Sooners, Mims, Gabriel, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a great nice. day. It was a great day for them. I will say two two things that stood out real quick from this game. Um, I do not think Marcus Major is going to get the running back two job back from Barnes. I think the freshman has taken that job, and I think okay. he's running with it even when Major is healthy. I think that Barnes has secured himself as the RB two. Um, and then I will say that as far as as tight ends go, I seriously think that Willis is a legit top 10 tight end this year uh, he's he is currently tight end six yeah he and i think he will stay in that i don't think it's a fluke he is such a vital part to their offense he really when they involve him just good things happen and he's uh he's very diverse and there's still a chance we see some more he was running some wildcat so there there's there's a chance you could squeeze out a touchdown or two just from rushing with him this year yeah Again, I, I I love I love hearing that. About, I I literally picked up Willis off the waiver wire in one of my leagues because I, yeah. I I realized that because I had Coons in there and then Coons got hurt again. I'm like, oh crap! I need to go grab somebody real quick. Grab Willis. He basically helped save my week, so it was great. Um, real quick, uh, in ten seconds or left here, uh, Georgia killed Vanderbilt yesterday. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> um, it was it was bad, um, but it was great as a Georgia fan. <laughs> Alrighty, let's talk about some of the again. This weekend was awesome, but even more awesome just from a CFB perspective. From a CFF perspective, there were a ton of great player performances this past week that I feel like it is worth, especially since we're not doing the freakout list, it is worth taking some time to really highlight some of these awesome performances from this past week. And we'll start with the quarterbacks here. We had seven quarterbacks this past week hit above 40 points, and this is in four-point passing touchdowns and half PPR, uh, just clarifying for everybody, so if you're wondering, like, oh, I had way more quarterbacks hit over 40. It's like, well, you had six-point passing touchdowns. Anyway, um, seven quarterbacks hit above 40 points. Two of them hit above 50. These are John Rice Plumley, Cam Rising, uh, Daquan Finn, Sente- uh, Todd Santeo, Jaden Daniels of LSU, uh, Michael Penix, and Hendon Hooker, and Caleb Williams. What's even better is that so many of those guys, maybe outside of Jaden Daniels, are guys that you more than likely started. So like it's not these aren't random guys that you have on like 0.7% of your DFS lineups. These are guys that you were counting on and they came through for you here. So Nate, what what talk to me about some of these quarterbacks? Yeah, two things stands out. I think that was a great point you're talking about when you say that these are guys that you started with these massive points uh output that we saw this weekend it was a lot of your studs that went off. There wasn't a ton of that. And that's why we we had a difficult time just figuring out who we were going to put on some of these waiver wire lists because yeah. it was so many good performances from guys that you expected and you drafted to have these types of performances. The other thing that stands out is that it was such an incredible scoring week <laughs> that I had totally forgot about John Reese Plumley uh, being 
you know, like I think he had like seven touchdowns or whatever. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday night or Friday night, whenever that game was played, seems like uh, three weeks ago because of just how many incredible performances there were. But man, he was he was awesome uh, for sure. There were so many incredible performances this past week that I thought I had one game in the bag after starting John Rice Plumley on Thursday night. I lost that game because there was just enough great performances to where the, my opponent was able to overcome me. In my home league, I scored the second most points that anybody has scored in a week all season. And Kyle Francis beat me because he scored the most points anybody has ever oh, scored. Oh, dude, this is season. the freaking worst. <laughs> I, I hate games like that. But I but I I it does suck, but at the same time, oh, yeah. I was like, this is the best. Like, oh yeah. At, uh, if you're gonna have, lose, have, like, that's how you go I out. Have Hooker and Williams going bananas. And he's got Charlie Jones and Hyatt going, and I'm like, I'm torn. Do I want Hyatt to score this touchdown? I kind of do because I want Hooker to get it, but you know, <laughs> it's just man, it was just incredible, dude. Uh, yeah, I again, I love CFF. This is the, again weekends like this are getting me so giddy for this entire sport in general. Uh, let's talk about some of these running backs. This past week, we had six running backs score above 35 points. Two of them went over 40. Uh, and again, this this is a little bit m- more of a hodgepodge of different guys, not quite the first round or second rounder kind of guys, except maybe for one of them. But Blake Watson out of Old Dominion had an absolutely monster day. Uh, Marion Lukes, who we'll get to in a little bit here, uh, the backup running back for Central Michigan had a monster day. Um, Keaton Mitchell coming back for East Carolina. He had an absolutely monster day. Uh, Brad Roberts out of Air Force scored like three touchdowns in five minutes, it felt like, to start that game. Um, Carson Steele uh, for, um, God, I always forget, Miami of Ohio or Ball State? He's Ball State. Ball State. Uh, is that, dude, you're not the only one. I can't figure out the two of them in my head. I, I don't know why. I always confuse those two teams. <laughs> I just remember that, I don't know, it could be Miami of Ohio. You may be right. I don't know. I, I'm pretty. One of those teams I, I'm, pe- for I'm one of them. pretty sure it's Ball State actually, because I remember now Miami of Ohio is the one that never has a good running back because they split everything up and they can't run the ball to save their lives. It's it's Ball State. I just looked it up. Yes, uh, and then Jameer Gibbs, uh, running back for Alabama, absolutely had a great day for himself there as well. Nate, what stuck out to you here among these uh, these running backs? It was great to see Mitchell back healthy. He's so oh, yeah. dynamic. I mean, he every time he touches the ball, uh, the end zone is within reach at any moment. So, uh, yeah, I honestly didn't even realize there's so many big scoring outputs. I didn't even check the the Ball State uh, box score. I didn't even realize Carson still put up that big of a game. So good yep. for him. Uh, and Watson, I think, averaged like 11 yards a carry or something stupid. Absolutely like that. destroyed so. the Chanticleers, dude. That yeah. that game came out of nowhere. Like I I was literally blown away when I saw the final box score of that game because I'm like that defense is not good for Coastal. They have uh, they've kind of done it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors so far this year, and and they got exposed. And I, I think we could see that moving forward, which is which is good if you got guys going up against Coastal. Yeah, and again, like so many of these guys, I'm looking at like my uh, my stat sheet for this year and everything. This, this past week just vaulted so many of these guys to near the top. Brad Roberts has been absolutely incredible. He's RB five. Jameer Gibbs RB seven. Carson Steele RB nine. Again, so many like 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 I said, the studs that you are starting to um, that you started in order to get you points like this, they're pulling through for you finally. Again, 
it's also partially like and again we'll get to this on the waiver wire part of the reason why we're kind of struggling so much to find these guys now is that it feels like we've we're at the point in the season where we've identified who the studs are there's not so much shuffling going on from here on out unless there's like injury teams have settled in they know who their main guys are so absolutely We'll talk about the wide receivers real quick. Not as many high performers in the wide receivers because we only had four wide receivers hit above 35 points. Only, I know, wow. Uh, and then three of them hit above 45. We talked about earlier the absolute monster game from Jalen Hyatt. Six receptions, 207 yards, five touchdowns. He went over 50 points. Uh, probably one of the, I think it might be the highest scoring uh, performance from a wide receiver so far this year. Just absolutely monster. Uh, Tyrone uh, Howell, wide receiver out of UL Monroe. We'll get to him in a little bit. Trey Palmer, Jesus Christ. Trey Palmer finally had the game that I think, Nate, you and I have been waiting for him to have for a while, and all it took was a shootout with Purdue. Absolutely monster game from him. And then Puka Nasua, finally, like, truly back healthy for BYU, and, of course, he comes back, absolutely performs for them. If you've held on to him, you are feeling very happy about that so far. Nate, what do you think about these four guys? Yeah, similar to to Mitchell, Minnesota, it just seems like every week we get health updates on if he's playing, if he's not. He suits up. Sometimes he doesn't play. Sometimes he plays like three series and then he ends up going back out. So uh, it was good to see what he's capable of when he gets uh, a complete game under his belt. And he was pretty amazing. And yes, I'm totally with you. Palmer is a freaking stud, and uh, it's clear that they're just going to continue to to feature him as much as possible. And he is uh, he just put on a great performance. Yeah, the only thing that kind of makes me worried a little bit about Palmer is the fact that he's got some. Yeah, that schedule is pretty rough yeah. to end to end the year. I did, unfortunately, again. It, it, so a quick story real quick. In one of my leagues, I was trying to trade for a running back because I am in desperate need of a running back in this league. It's Power 5 only league, and my two best running backs are Jairo Brock and Amari and Hampton. It's bad. Ooh, it's yeah. bad. So I was trying to trade away Trey Palmer, and I'm like, you know what? Like he's gonna he is going like he's gonna have a rough end of the year. I might as well get a running back out of it. And so I sent a trade for uh Zavian Valade at Arizona State. And I figured I'm like, okay, like somebody's gonna bite on this. Or this guy's gonna bite on this. The guy waited until after Palmer had this absolutely nuclear performance to accept the trade. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, like part of me is like, hey, he's gonna have a rough end of schedule, but at the same time I'm like, man, it feels really rough to lose him right after that. I uh I will if if I see a guy going nuclear like that and I've got a trade out there like where I'm offering him, I'll pull it back. And then check the pulse of the league again the next day. Oh, I, once, I once. Hey, are you sure you're you sure you're not interested in Trey Palmer? Oh, you know? I I <laughs> I complete I completely forgot that I that the the, the trade was still out there because I, I I offered this trade on like Tuesday or Wednesday, right. so it had been a yeah. couple of days. Anyway, uh, and then one last one we we talked about it earlier, so we won't talk about it too much here. But Dalton Kincaid, what an absolute awesome performance! That is the performance we've been looking for out of the Utah tight end, especially. Once Brant Keithy went down, we knew that this was a possibility for Dalton Kincaid because, again, he is that main target now for the Utah offense. Clearly, him and Rising have a lot of chemistry together, and in a big game, in a big moment, he stepped up for them. Again, you'll, you'll probably never see a performance out of a tight end like this in a long, long time, but again, 16 receptions, 234 yards, and a touchdown. Absolutely monster game for him. Yeah. 
Real quick, I one thing that I that you could project a little bit of a breakout coming from him was that I think it was after last week's game or maybe the week before he winning uh, Kyle Whittingham said we need to get him the ball more. And I checked the box score and he had like six targets, five catches, 80 yards. I was like, damn, I was like, I felt like you guys were getting the ball. Then for a tight end, that seems like quite a bit of usage. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is what he means. This is what he <laughs> means. This is like, <laughs> oh, 20 targets. We're getting him the ball more. I get it. Th- th- this this man is the best. This man's the best <laughs> player on the field. That, that That's that's what he that's what he meant. Alrighty, um, real quick before we get into anything further, I do want to run through a list of the injured players in this past week. And again, don't have a ton of information on a lot of them because that's just the nature of CFF. But it is something that if you have these players, keep an eye out for news throughout the week as to their condition. LaDamian Webb, man, that killed me in a league or two because he had like seven yards before he went down with an injury. Uh, Richard Reese, uh, definitely keep an eye out. Uh, for news on that one because he was having a pretty decent day for Baylor got into a shootout didn't get used as much but then on like the final like what was it five drives he only had like one carry something ridiculous like that I've I've searched and I have not seen any word obviously they'll they'll have a press conference at some point this week maybe we'll get something I I just don't know what I think it's a situation where they're just shuffling players around in that backfield and it's like you you're having to play a guessing game as to who's going to be the featured guy every week it reminds me of uh reminds me of Toledo we we talked about yeah uh, Stewart last week and who ends up being the guy that gets 20 carries this week Penny Boone he's of course so yeah just when you think they've settled on a guy (laughs) no Boone's about it seems to be what what's going on in Baylor there uh anyway other uh, other uh players here uh Cooper Lega um, I believe was taken out of the game at, for Utah State with a concussion, so he might be out for a game or two. Um, I, actually, I think they might have a bye this next upcoming week, so hopefully he'll be back for that no, next game. I think game. They, they play uh, at Wyoming. No, they're off week nine, not week eight. My bad. Yeah. Uh, again, bye weeks. Got to keep them straight. Uh, Talia Takavailoa was uh, taken off the field in the game against Indiana. Uh, he's probably out for a game or two from the sounds of that injury. Lou Nichols didn't even travel with Central Michigan, which is very concerning to me, the fact that he w- just wasn't even there. I don't know if this was a suspension or if he is hurt to the point where they just don't need him on the field and everything. But regardless, it definitely kind of points to somebody we'll talk about here in a little bit. Henry Parrish was a late scratch for Miami, so keep an eye out for that. Jordan Addison, we mentioned earlier, was injured during the game against Utah, was seen in crutches. So very likely this is a... At the very least, an injury that is going to probably make him miss some time. Hopefully not for the end of the season. I, again, we all pray that that doesn't happen. Jaden Bray, once again, just out right before the game. Uh, man can't stay healthy. Uh, if he could actually get out there, I feel like he'd be, f- be phenomenal. Aiden Robbins, the running back at a UNLV, was, uh, had a e- knee injury early in the game against... Um, uh, early in the game against Air Force. He didn't come back in, so he's probably nursing something pretty serious and then Tyrese Chambers uh not a late scratch but he was called out before the game started for FIU so if you're still rostering Tyrese Chambers keep an eye out for that uh Nate do you have any info on any of these guys you want to share no it looks like Cooper Legault was out with a head injury so it's possible he's in concussion protocol they put Levi Williams in quickly figured out he's not very good at quarterback and went to the fourth stringer so Davenport the freshman (laughs) yeah so, yeah, uh, I believe that 
yeah, we're at a point where we'll move on to the waiver wires here in a second. But of course, it's almost 45 minutes in. And guys, I'm, I'm itching because you know what I haven't done yet? I haven't given my spiel yet. I have to give you guys my spiel. So again, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, again, really like those comments. Again, you guys have been laxing a little bit on those, so let's get those back up this week if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're watching, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you um, leave us a five-star review. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave that written five-star review. And in addition to that, I'm going to give you guys one additional instruction this week. You guys all have friends who love college football but just don't play fantasy regardless i want you to send our podcast over to them again we talk about fantasy all the time but we talk about players we talk about games this is a podcast for everybody who loves college football so make sure you send them over to that and it'll be a great way to get them interested in college fantasy so you can get them into leagues next year you guys know you want to have more friends in the cff space so let's do it we are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It's myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, as well as our DFS crew in Ethan Sowers and Chris K. They have all been doing awesome content, whether it's podcasts like the Chase and Natty podcast here on Mondays and Wednesdays, in addition to the Bet on C2C podcast with Brandon, Chris, and Ethan. We got awesome articles. Nate just put out his regression article. It is awesome. Definitely go check that out. Uh, despite the fact that Charlie Jones and Blake Corum scored a lot of touchdowns this week. Uh, it is still an insanely smart article, so absolutely go check that out. We got weekly CFF uh, rankings for you guys. Chris Moxley has been killing it with those every single week. A great way for you to kind of give yourself a little tiebreaker in terms of who to start and who to sit each given week. And yeah, that pretty much brings us to the end of the spiel. Appreciate you guys listening. Let's get into these quarterbacks here. So... Uh, we got four quarterbacks here, five running backs, five wide receivers, and only one tight end this week. Again, kind of, uh, I don't want to say slim pickings this week on the waiver wire, but you'll notice probably with me and Nate's tone with some of these guys that we're not super endorsing them like we probably would have in the past with some of them. Although this first guy we'll talk about here is somebody that I think if you, I don't understand how he's still at 19%. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. The system's there. Everything's there. He had like one game under or two games under 20 points. Uh, but other than that, everything else is pointed to the fact that he can have monster games like he had this past week. Of course, I'm talking about Kyle Vantrese, the quarterback out of Georgia Southern. Again, all I, all I need to tell you is just how many points or how many passing attempts he's been getting per game. The last four, 39, 43, 49, 64. This is an insanely pass-heavy offense. He has scored multiple touchdowns in each of the last four weeks. Um, he has uh, been able to use his legs at times. But for the most part, this is an air raid system, and you want air raid quarterbacks on your roster. Again, is this a guy that you're probably starting week in and week out? Some some leagues I'm, I am, but like some weeks, like he's definitely a great option to just keep on your bench there. Nate, what do you think about Kyle Vantries? You can't deny the volume. I, I think that Georgia Southern may be leading the country in pass attempts per game. I know they were at one point, and he just attempted 64 or more in his yeah. last game. So uh, if they're not leading, they're definitely top five. So, yeah, it's an insane amount of volume. They have Old Dominion coming up this week. Old Dominion's coming off a big win, but at the same time, they still gave up over 300 yards passing in that game. So it's not like uh, they're they're a super you know scary uh situation that you wouldn't want to start him against i think you can you can start him fairly comfortably there so yeah it's 
it's just a volume play and it's a good one. I mean, yeah, and they just went up against James Madison, who has shut down several other offenses so far this year. Like they get a pretty good defense there yeah. with the Dukes and Vantree's seventy eight yards. I would say Vantree's passed for almost six hundred yards on them. So this is this is a potential matchup proof kind of guy. Yeah. So he's yeah, he's he's extremely valuable. Six point pass per touchdown or six point uh per passing touchdown scoring. I mean, he's even that much more valuable. But yeah, he's the volume is there. All right, moving on to our second quarterback here. Let's talk about Michael Pratt, the quarterback out of Tulane. I This is another guy that, for the most part, I'm kind of surprised that people haven't really kind of got on a little bit more, especially it's just a safe week-by-week play. Lowest points he's scored this year per week has been 19.68 fantasy points. And lately, he has scored uh, 25 and 34 he has seen 30-plus passing attempts in the last two games. He loves to use his legs whenever he can. He has three games this year of over 55 rushing yards. Um, Yeah, I, again, I, I like Michael Pratt quite a bit here. Tulane, I believe, just got ranked in the top 25 AP pool, so they're going to be favored in a lot of their games moving forward. They're expected to score points any given week. Nate, what do you think about Mr. Pratt here? I think it's becoming a recurring theme that whoever plays South Florida gets uh, put on the waiver wire list uh, yeah. next week. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't like him as much as I like Kyle Van Treese. Oh no, I agree. I, I don't, I don't, Teardrop. Think the, I don't think the ceiling is there for Pratt, but the floor clearly is. I think that basically 20 points is his floor and they play Memphis this coming week. So there's shootout potential in that because Memphis plays at a, a pretty decent pace and um they can score points so yeah i think he's got a really safe floor and he's just a really solid solid play you're probably not going to get 40 out of him um yeah. but uh you're you're definitely going to get in that 30 point range which is really all you can ask for yeah especially as we're getting into these week like week seven through nine are just brutal when it comes to bye weeks and everything this is the perfect guy for if you're if you if you messed up and realized that three out of your four quarterbacks on your roster all are off on the same bye week and you have to start two quarterbacks, this is the guy that you can go pick up and feel pretty good about yourself any given week. Yeah, he got banged up against Southern Miss and K State, and he finally looks healthy again. So I think that's the I think that's the big thing there. Is yes, that, uh, with him healthy, there I, I do think that he's um, becoming more of a solid play. It also helps that uh, Ty J Spears is finally reemerging again as well. So he has some. He's uh, really good. Yeah, Ty J Spears is awesome, but like he yeah. finally has some pressure off of his back a little bit to carry this entire offense. So yeah, absolutely. can open it up a little bit more. All right, moving on here again. Another guy that is a great spot start. Not a guy that I'm going week by week, obviously, because he can put out some duds as he did against Georgia Tech and Northwestern. But we got to talk about uh, Riley Leonard, the quarterback out of Duke. Um, again, multiple games of 30-plus passing attempts, but also even more importantly, this dude loves to run the ball. He is a true dual-threat quarterback. Out of the la- out of all the games he has played this year, he has been under 50 rushing yards only twice in this past week against UNC. Now, granted, a lot of it came off of one really big play, but even still, he ran for over 100 yards. He has that kind of upside. This is the kind of guy that you love to just kind of plug into your lineup whenever you need it. Um, if he's going up against a really good matchup, I like Riley Leonard quite a bit. Nate, what do you think of him? 
This Duke offense has been one of the more surprising offenses, I think, that we've seen. We we nobody was really expecting much of anything. It's a new staff. It's Duke. They don't have you know they don't have talent. All that exactly. And it turns out that they play at a pretty good pace. They throw it around a lot. Um, he's dynamic uh, as far as his ability to run as well. Uh, you know, again, similar to South Florida, we have a lot of players on here the week after they play North Carolina. Nothing. Nothing can uh, fix uh, any L's like a North Carolina defense can. But um, the good thing is, is that as we as we look down the stretch of what his schedule consists of, there's no Clemson. Yep. There's no there's no NC State. There's no Syracuse. Uh, you know, it's a whole bunch of Boston College, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, that type of matchup. Exactly. So, uh, so there's there's definitely potential there. He's somebody that I'm kicking myself that in my leagues. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't take advantage when he was free. Uh, Cause he's, he's, uh, he's performing pretty well. Yeah. And again, like you, you, you joke about the fact that again, he's coming off of playing UNC. Uh, that's why he's got his 30 plus point performance there. But again, he's had other good performances elsewhere yeah. again, against Temple, against Temple, but even so, um, and then he had uh, against Virginia, he had a 27 point game. Like, again, this isn't like something that just came out of the blue. Like we knew he has this kind of perform. He can, he mm-hmm. has this performance in him if you get him in the right matchup. Now, the unfortunate thing about him is that even if you think you have him in a good matchup, like against Georgia Tech, sometimes he can still kind of throw a dud out there, definitely rolling the dice a little bit with him any given week. But regardless, I think he's a fine pickup and throw him in there as a Hail Mary for your starting lineup if you really need it during these bye weeks. Last but not least, we'll talk about really kind of another safe guy. He's been great in a spot start. I don't endorse him as grabbing him and holding him onto your roster or anything like that. Again, this is fully, bye weeks are coming. You need an emergency guy. This is a guy that I'd probably go for. That's Carter Bradley, quarterback out of South Alabama. Uh, This past week, he went up against UL Monroe, scored almost 30 points, and he's scored almost 30 points in multiple games. He started off the season against Nichols and Central Michigan, almost scoring 30 points. He has seen 35-plus passing attempts in, or excuse me, 30-plus passing attempts in four of his games this year. Uh, he definitely uh, doesn't mind using his legs every once in a while. I think he is a nice, safe play for you if you need him. Once again, it's very similar to Leonard. Grab him, plug him into your lineup if you really need him in a scenario. Because again, he's only rostered in 11% of leagues. He's probably out there on your waiver wire. Great emergency option. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think you, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. For deeper leagues emergency spot starts uh he could he could probably get the job done it's you know he's playing in that in that conference there with the Sun Belt there's not a whole lot of of really scary opponents left on his schedule and he's got a really sneaky good g5 wide receiver room with Colin Lacey and um what's what's the other guy's name Wayne Wayne Jalen Wayne yeah that's a those are two really good g5 wide receivers that he's got at his disposal so uh, he doesn't have to do much and and they can kind of take care of the rest. So, yeah, uh, deeper, deeper play here, but solid. Yeah. A couple honorable. Uh, oh, my goodness. A couple honorable mentions at quarterback here. Uh, Jaden Delora, we talked about him last week. Not going to reiterate that whole conversation again. He had another incredible week this past week, guys. That Arizona offense is legit. Uh, go pick him up if you haven't already. He's close to 40%, so we're not going to really talk about him much longer, I don't think. Baron Morton's still available in 80% of leagues. Uh, that's your starting quarterback for Texas Tech right now. That's the starting quarterback for Zach Kittley's offense. Need I really say more? I grabbed him pretty much everywhere that I could. 
I think I have, again, he was available in a lot of leagues, and I paid up big time in leagues where I had to pay up with, um, uh, with FOB. So, uh, in addition, Evan Prater is an interesting one to be on the lookout for if Ben Bryant is out for Cincinnati in this next game. Dual threat guy. We've seen that Cincinnati's offense can definitely get cooking at times. I still think Prater is a better quarterback than Bryant, and Bryant's already been doing pretty well for himself this year already. So imagine Ben Bryant with an even higher ceiling. And then last but not least, I do want to throw a quick nugget out for Dynasty players because, one, that is something you guys suggest uh, wanted to hear a little bit more from based on your responses to the survey. Just quick little Dynasty nuggets here and there. Um, Thomas Castellanos, the quarterback, the freshman quarterback at UCF, Available in 4% of leagues. Guys, I know for a fact there's a lot of dynasty leagues out there that he is not rostered in. He is your probably heir apparent to John Rice Plumley. If Even if John Rice Plumley comes back next year, he really looks like the guy that Gus Malzahn is going to be grooming for that role once JRP leaves. And we have already seen with JRP this year, that is an incredible asset to have. This is absolutely a guy you can grab and stash for right now. Yeah, he's in- a dynasty. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's a dynamic runner. Uh, he and that's that's obviously the uh, the mold that that they're going for there at, uh, at UCF and and what Gus wants out of his quarterback that that dynamism with the ball in his hands. Uh, but yeah, my only concern there is JRP is clearly not an NFL quarterback, and he yeah. does have he does have one more year left um, of eligibility after this year. So uh, unless unless he decides to go the baseball route, um, which is which is always possible, but um, he seems to be doing pretty good uh, as quarterback at UCF there, based off last last week's performance. He's having fun. Um, only other thing I'll say is if you're playing in a league where Baron Morton is still on waivers, um, please hit me up. I am at CFF Nate <laughs> on Twitter. I want in your league next year. Uh, I will gladly um, pay your uh, whatever your entry fee is. I'll, I'll be happy to play. Yeah, because you'll earn that back real quick, I imagine. <laughs> All righty, let's get to these running backs All right here. Uh, we got to go a little bit quicker because, again, we a lot of great football to discuss and everything, but we got some names to talk about here. Let's talk about Marion Luke's. The running back out of Central Michigan, big caveat here. We don't know what's going on with Lou Nichols. We don't know how long he'll be out. He could be he could be back next week. To me, if you are a Lou Nichols manager, you have to pick up this uh, handcuff. This is a must-pick-up handcuff right now. Just look at what Luke's did this past week. 26 attempts, 160 yards, two touchdowns, as well as four receptions, 41 yards, and another touchdown. He fills the Lou Nichols role for this offense moving forward. And if you're in a dynasty league, he is also a must-grab right now. Because again, once Lou Nichols goes after this year, more than likely, Luke's looks to be that next guy up. I know there is one other guy in that running back room who was also out this past week, but... After performing the way that Luke's did this past week, I think it'd be kind of hard to say that he isn't somebody you have to look out for as somebody who's going to take over that running back room. What do you think, Nate, here? What a weird situation that was. Uh, It was, you know, news comes out 30 minutes before the game that Nichols isn't traveling with the team. I sprint to the waiver wire uh, and add Miles Bailey, who was the running back too, the, the, the backup running back. He gets the first five carries of the game. Luke's comes in, fumbles the ball, 
And I'm like, okay, probably won't see much of him. And then Bailey never carries the ball again. <laughs> all of a sudden, Luke's goes absolutely berserk and uh, and and just shows off how dynamic he can be. So I don't know what the deal was with Miles Bailey. I don't know if he got dinged up and they just had to go to Luke's. And this was a case of okay, we've got one running back left, one roster running uh, scholarship running back left here. But yeah, you can't deny the performance. Yes, it was Akron, but if you're in a dynasty league, especially, you probably got to scoop this guy up because Lou Nichols, you know, may be moving on at the end of this year. Who knows? Maybe he transfers at the end of this year, goes G5, or I mean, goes to a P5 program to to kind of boost his NFL stock. Who yeah. knows? But it's a proven running back room that has been very successful for fantasy, and you want that RB2. Yeah. And like I said, if you're a Lou Nichols manager in any kind of redraft league, I think it is worth finding a spot on your roster to go ahead and pick up Luke's because if, if Lou Nichols is out again next yeah. week, uh, you're going to want to be able to plug this, plug this guy in. Cause all I could think of when I was, um, there was one league where I had Lou Nichols starting in the moment that they announced that Lou Nichols was out. I was like, well, shoot, there goes my week. Right. Uh, so I don't want to be stuck in that situation next week. I, we now know who that guy is yeah. after Lou Nichols. And it's Bowling Green that they play, so it's a it's even a better matchup. Yeah. All right, moving on. Another guy that I'm just shocked is like, there's no way he's under forty percent after this week. Casey Philkins, the running back out of Stanford, rostered on fifteen percent of leagues. Guys, thirty-two attempts this past week. He is the RB one for Stanford. Ninety-one yards and a touchdown against a very, very good uh, Notre Dame defense. That was a defensive slugfest that they were going through in that game. He also received eight targets this past week, only caught four of them, but still got 46 yards out of those. I mean, if what you wanted out of EJ Smith, you're getting out of Casey Filkins right now. I don't really know what else to tell you. And like, he is one of the most available, great running backs that I think you can get right now. So Nate, what do you think about Filkins? Yeah, we've touched on him before. This is another really strong performance. This was against Notre Dame. He got eight targets. He's got 19 targets in his last three games. Uh, they clearly don't have any other running backs in that room that they trust since AJ Smith went down. Yep. So yeah, he should be scooped up. I think the interesting thing is from a dynasty standpoint, what happens next year yep. with him and EJ Smith? Is EJ Smith? I mean, it's really hard for EJ Smith to say, okay, I'm gonna go pro, and you're gonna have to base that off of three games that I exactly. played this year. So uh it makes for a little bit of a log jam there at Stanford next year. I wonder if one of them transfers. That would that would be make that for an would, interesting situation. That would situation. be my guess. Like, yeah, I feel like this is a really good, um, you know, resume builder that Casey Filkins is putting on tape right now. Uh, that if if you know, opens some doors for him to to be a, a prime transfer candidate next year. Could very well be. Or EJ Smith again. EJ Smith, there is there is enough flash that I think a lot of Power Five programs would be willing to take a shot on him as well. So, yeah, we'll see. Next one up here. I'm kind of I, I went back. I don't think we've talked about this guy, but this is this guy's been on my radar for quite a bit uh, in term because I, I never felt comfortable to pull the trigger on him being a CFF asset. But uh, you know what? It's a slower week on the waiver wire and he's performed very well the last couple of weeks. So I figured let's talk about him. And of course, I'm talking about Roman Hemby, the running back out of Maryland, rostered on 27 percent of rosters, had a really good start to the year, two 20 plus point performances. Kind of slowed down just a little bit, but then the last two weeks against Purdue and Indiana, he has been kind of kicking it up just a little bit. A lot of receiving work, which is something you love to see 
out of running backs, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, he has scored a touchdown in two out of the last three games. I would say that at this point, like I feel pretty comfortable picking up Roman Hemby and putting him on my roster. So what do you think, Nate? Yeah, if you look at the schedule, he clearly has performed well pretty much when you expect him to. Charlotte being the one kind of yeah. blimp on the radar there, but he performed well against Buffalo, SMU, Purdue, and Indiana. He did not against Michigan State and Michigan. I mean, th- those are games you, you're not going to start him against Michigan, obviously. So it's nice when you can get a guy, you know, especially in a deeper league, and you can start him when you're confident. that. And they have Northwestern coming up this week. Yep. We don't know the situation with um, uh, Tal- uh, uh, Tagaviola, but it looks like he's going to be out. And they're going to have to depend on somebody that can that can they can get the ball in space and be able to make plays yeah. if they're if they're not going to be able to throw the ball deep downfield. So I think at least for this Northwestern game, he becomes a pretty decent spot start. Littleton kind of took a, a lot of the load. It looked like it was going to be a 50-50 split there for a couple of games, but then all of a sudden it swung way back in Hemby's favor uh once Tagaviola went down. So um maybe that continues against Northwestern. Well, I think you nailed it. I think the fact that he's a more versatile weapon, like Littleton is the perfect, like big dude you throw between the tackles, churn out three yards per carry. Hemby is the weapon. He is the dude that like, like you said, you bring, you bring in the backup quarterback from Maryland. I forget his name off the top of my head, but if he, like you said, if he can't throw it deep down the field, give him a short pass to the running back out of the backfield. Then Hemby is that dude. I think again, we, he has seen four and five targets in the last five games, I wouldn't be shocked if we see six, seven, eight targets for him in these next couple games. He is a great receiving back, and they and they will scheme up. They they will call plays to get him the ball in space uh, out of the backfield. So yeah. yeah, he he's he fits that that system very well. All right, from one Big Ten running back to another, let's go over to Devin Mockaby, the surprise running back out of Purdue, rostered for only three percent here. I say surprise because again, like um, oh my God, what's his Being name? Doru? No, not mm. Doru. The the transfer from Central Michigan. Oh my God, oh, I forgot yeah, his yeah, name yeah. off the top of my head. Oh, I, I just know. complete complete. <laughs> God, what's his name? I I can I can almost Lewis see. Lewis, Lewis right? Yes, Kobe Lewis. Oh my Kobe God, Lewis. that was a, that was such a brain fart right there. Um, a lot of us kind of expect coming into the season that there was going to be a running back that emerged for Purdue. It would be him, but no, it's Maccabee right now. I mean, Dobru was it for like a minute there, but Maccabee's had a role in Purdue this entire year. No matter who's been banged up, who's been able to play, uh, he's had out of the out of the last six games that he's played, he's had five double digit games, and the only game he didn't have double digits in, he earned nine point nine fantasy points. So he's been very consistent week in and week out, and then just out of nowhere this past week for Purdue. 30 carries again we've talked about this before like nate and i look for trends we look for guys to repeat performances but every once in a while and we'll get to this especially with the wide receivers there are just performances that you just have to take note of and whenever a running back suddenly out of nowhere gets 30 carries in a game that's something you have to note here and i think devin mockaby absolutely fits that role here what do you think about him nate He's, again, similar to what we talked about with some of the quarterbacks. This is a a flyer move if you play in a deeper league, I think. Um, We still haven't seen King Doru back, but it sounds like he's really, really close. 
And so the, the combination of that with the fact that their upcoming schedule consists of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois, and the bye week thrown in there with those next three, not, not great teams that you want the, to, to be able to run the ball uh, against. So that that's my biggest concern, but you cannot deny 30 carries. If King Doru stays out and you're going to get that kind of volume, he's not going to get 178 yards like he oh, did yeah. against Nebraska. You don't get to play Nebraska that often, <laughs> but um, he can still be effective if he's getting 20 to 25 carries uh, against even some of these better defenses that he's going to face the next few weeks. Yeah. Again, no, no argument for me there. Let's move on to our final running back here. And this is one I kind of threw on here. I don't know if you agree with this one or not, Nate, but I'm going to throw out Mr. Lincoln Pair, the running back out of Texas State. More than anything, because I just kind of noticed that his volume has been extremely consistent the last couple of weeks. He has seen anywhere from 20 or uh, let's say 23 okay so pretty much anywhere from like 19 to 24 touches the last four weeks he has clearly set himself up a role here for texas state he came over with the quarterback lane hatcher over from arkansas state it seems like the coaching staff has kind of caught on to the fact that these two have some chemistry they know how to work well with one another and again you give me a guy in an offense like Texas State, which is able to put up points any kind of any given week, I mean, they blew me away with App State. I started App State's defense because I thought, oh yeah, they could they can slow down Texas State. Nope, Texas State scored thirty six points on them, and Lincoln Pair is a pretty big part of that. So, again, not the greatest guy in the world to pick up, but again, if you're struggling at running back and you just need somebody to plug in any week here you can do a lot worse than a guy that's been averaging around 20 to 25 carry or 25 20 oh my goodness 20 to 25 touches each game for the last four games what do you think Nate yeah again similar to Maccabee if you're in a deeper league or if you're really hurting at the spot uh then you could do worse than him uh he's a little touchdown dependent so uh, if he doesn't get that touchdown, you're probably looking at, you know, 10 to 12 points just because he's not a guy that's going to get you 125 yards or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's once again, it's the fun belt. So it's there's there's always a chance that uh, a shootout is waiting with each game. So uh, deeper leagues, um, you could do worse. Yeah, absolutely. One quick honorable mention here at running back. We've talked about him multiple times. I literally am putting him in... His name's getting bigger and bigger on this spreadsheet every week that he is under 40%, y'all. But say Bangura, the running back of Ohio, we've been trying to tell you guys, this is a legit CFF option for you guys week in and week out. He will be one of the best running backs in the MAC this upcoming year. And he's still available in most of your leagues. He better not be there next week. I'm coming for all of you. If you play in a dynasty league and he's still available, then what the heck? Come on, guys. Of course, it, he's he's a redshirt freshman. He's very good at football. Put he's very good at football. They got a really good offensive line there for running the ball there at Ohio. They're ki- they're they're kicking butt this year in terms of their offense. I don't know what else to tell y'all. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that we'll move on to the wide receivers here. And I mentioned earlier, some of these wide receivers, it's about consistency. Some of these wide receivers they just had an incredible performance this past weekend. It's worth talking about him. So let's talk about Tyrone Howell, the wide receiver out of UL Monroe, rostered on literally 0% of leagues in fan tracks. He has been a consistent four to five target guy per game 
all of a sudden, this past week against South Alabama, 10 targets with nine receptions for 244 yards and three touchdowns. One of the best performances of the week, well over 40 points. Obviously, you can't expect that week in and week out. But Nate, is that kind of a sign, similar to kind of how we saw with Quentin Johnson, that there's kind of been a switch kind of thrown here? That Howell could be, I'm not going to say a 10-target guy every week, but if he gets up to like eight, nine targets per week, mm-hmm. is this somebody that people should be looking out for? You can't, like, you can't ignore this incredible performance that they had and 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 him specifically and and how he just had this massive breakout game you have to you have to pay attention to that you have to go and try to add him if you can if you've got an open spot because you've seen what the ceiling consists of here i will say it seems eerily similar his stat line if you go and look at jonathan mingo oh yeah and what he has done throughout the season and then what happened two weeks ago he had 10 targets nine receptions, 247 yards. Oh my God, that's too funny, dude. And then you know how many catches Jonathan Mingo had this week? Zero. Zero, zero. He had as many as I did. (laughs) Um, So I will will just say uh, it looks really eerily similar to that. But no, and you, you can't. You can't look at it that way, but I kind of do. <laughs> no, I and I get and Here's my thing. He is absolutely, in my opinion, worth putting onto your roster if you have the spot. Like, don't drop a, a stud wide receiver for him. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you put him onto your roster, keep him on your bench just for a week or two. It's the same thing with Ashton Hawk. I wish I had done with Ashton Hawkins. I was so convinced right. that Ashton Hawkins would be a big thing for Texas State. Complete disappointment. He burned me two weeks in a row. Um, I would say... Grab Howell, throw him on your bench for a week or two. You might cry if he has another really big game, but at least you have the confirmation that he can do it again. Right. Yeah. And he's he's a he's a P five transfer. He comes from Kansas State. We don't really know anything about him, uh, but I mean, he was good enough to get you know to to get that Kansas State spot for a little bit. So we'll. But yeah, I would say let's let's see what happens for another week. But he's worth the roster spot, and then and then and then going from there if he's able to duplicate this, he's trending in the right direction. Absolutely. All right, next guy up here. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I figure I might bring him back up a little bit because this man's still criminally underappreciated, and that is Mr. Arunde Gadsden, the wide receiver out of Syracuse. Um, guys. It's the Robert Renee offense, and we know that once that quarterback loves to find a top receiver. He can do really, really good things for you. And that includes Mr. Gadsden here. Again, over the last four games, he has seen targets of 8, 10, 4, and 10. Now you might be saying, well, that 4 is pretty rough, but that came against Wagner where they basically pulled all the starters by halftime and they were just not passing the ball a whole ton. That was the game that Sean Tucker basically ran for half a mile against the Wagner defense. But when you, when you go up against Power 5 teams here in the last four games, again, targets of 8, 10, 10. Over 100 yards in all three of those games, two of which he had two touchdowns in. This is a guy that I think absolutely should be rostered a whole hell of a lot more. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, we've touched on him before. The, the only thing that concerns me is that he does have Clemson and Notre Dame coming up to the probably toughest opponents on the schedule. But, I mean, he scored 30 points fantasy points against nc state and that's a really quality defense so um i'm also not as concerned about this is something i probably should have brought up in the show before i kind of come to the revelation that like clemson is not as scary of a matchup to me 
for these guys as they've had been in the past. Because look how many points that teams like Florida State have been putting up against them. Look at what, um, I mean, heck, look at what Wake Forest did to Clemson. Again, Clemson yeah. was without a couple guys in that game. But even still, like, this defense isn't the shutdown defense like I really thought they could be this year. And they're not the run for the hills, get your guys away from this matchup kind of deal. So I'm not quite as concerned about that as maybe you are. Yeah, you're, prob- you're probably right. Um I don't know. It, they still scare me a little bit, but you, you're probably right. They've shown they've shown some vulnerabilities this year for sure. Uh, but and and like we've mentioned a couple times, for dynasty purposes, this is a guy that still has two years of eligibility left after this year. Aronde yep. Getson does so, uh, and and Schrader will be back next year. We assume that the the staff will be intact. He he's a very strong dynasty play as well. Yeah. All right, next guy up here. And honestly, I should have put this guy as the number one wide receiver option that we were going to talk about because I really should have, I, I should do a better job of trying to put the priority guys first. But even so, Isaiah Wynn said the wide receiver out of East Carolina rostered on 25% of rosters. A lot of people remembering that awesome game that CJ Johnson had a couple weeks ago. We talked about him, but man, flying under the radar has been Isaiah Winstead. This dude has been a monster this season and he's still criminally under roster since the beginning of the season. 11 targets, 11 targets, 8 targets, 14 targets, 8 targets, 16 targets, 13 targets. Name a bad volume out of the games that he has played. You simply cannot. The only thing is that he is not the touchdown monster that CJ Johnson has been. But regardless, he's getting you that volume week in and week out. And if you're, especially if you're a PPR league, and basically a touchdown just becomes a bonus on top of what he can get out of you in receptions and yards. Criminal that this man is still only at 25%. I doubt that he is still there after this week. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, he's the clear wide receiver one there. This is East Carolina offense that um, that gets in a lot of shootouts, 47-45 win over Memphis this week. So, um, yeah, you, you this is a guy that's getting 10-plus targets pretty much every game. You've, you've got to add him uh to your to your roster and he's very startable and um I, I don't know what else to say with that i mean that's it's it's he's a really strong player right now i would say honest honestly like out of pretty much everybody we're talking about here except for maybe like casey Falcons or like again say ben Gira being the honorable mention like this would be the guy that i would target the heaviest yeah out, out of would, everybody would... we're talking about here I would probably agree with you. Part of me still doubts what what East Carolina is, and that, you know, like I said, I, I had Holt Nailers as one of my regression candidates. Um, I don't think that, and and Keaton Mitchell coming back, I think helps that run game a little bit. So, True. but you know what, he still had 13 targets, you know, 154 yards and a touchdown recently. So exactly, <laughs> I mean, he's he's still he's still producing at a really high clip, and and even if. Holt Nailers doesn't play great. Um, I still think that doesn't necessarily mean Winston isn't going to still be productive. Exactly. Moving on to our next guy here. Again, it feels like we've talked about multiple Arizona wide receivers throughout this year. We've talked, of course, we talked about Jay, Jacob Cowling in the season before. Um, again, Dorian Singer has really kind of emerged there, but we haven't really talked about as much the freshman wide receiver, Tataria McMillan. Uh, 19% rostered. Uh, again, if for, if for some reason you're in a dynasty league and this man's somehow on your waiver wire, drop everything you're doing, go there and drop all the money on this man. He is going to kill it for Arizona over the next three years at the very least. He's been killing it as a freshman. He has had multiple double-digit games, uh, target games this year, and he 
again, Jacob Cowling banged up a little bit right now. He's kind of really stepped up for these Wildcats so far. And this past week has had his best game yet. Nine targets, seven receptions, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, granted, again, it's Washington. They've been giving up points to a lot of people. But even still, this is a guy that I think is worth having on your rosters. Nate, what do you think of Mr. McMillan, T-Mac? Yeah, he's a clear ad in dynasty formats. I, I would be surprised if you play in a dynasty league if he's not already uh, rostered, given that he was a, a really high four-star, almost five-star wide receiver coming out. The the beauty of, and we've talked about it with Jaden Alora, the beauty of this offense or, you know, for any of the assets on this offense is that the defense hemorrhages points and yep. they are constantly in shootouts. They've given up uh, almost 50 points the last two games um, in each game. So uh, yeah, there's, there's shootout potential and they play at a very fast pace and they will abandon the run really, really fast. Yep. And <laughs> McMillan is, is one of the three beneficiaries of that. And we've seen over the last three weeks that all three of these wide receivers there at Arizona can be fantasy relevant. Yep. And again, we'll, we'll get to another option here in a second uh, about another pass catching option. Uh, but we'll talk about our last wide receiver here first. And that is Mr. Gavin Holmes, wide receiver out of Baylor, 1% rostered in, or 1%, yeah, 1% rostered in leagues on fan tracks. Very, very similar case as to um, Mr. Howell from UL Monroe. Just a performance that's too hard to ignore. Nine targets, seven receptions, 210 yards, and a touchdown against West Virginia. It looks like Baylor has found their go-to wide receiver should they get into a shootout like they did against West Virginia. Nate, is this another case of a guy just peaking at the right time and we never see this again, or do you think this is more sustainable moving forward? I think we probably see some inconsistency remaining in in his remaining games it's it's hard to say uh when Baylor is going to go run heavy versus pass heavy and clearly against West Virginia it was a pass heavy uh, game plan I will say that uh as long as Blake Blake Shapin is is healthy he did get knocked out of the last game um with a head injury as long as he's healthy he's one of the best deep ball accurate passers similar like we talked about with Hinden hooker he throws a beautiful deep ball and yep. uh speedy guys like holmes monterey baldwin are going to be the beneficiaries of that and uh there there are going to be some games where where he will pop off so i say if you're in a pretty deep league or if you're hurting a wide receiver holmes uh is somebody that you could take a look at uh but it's just going to be hard to guess when these when these outputs uh happen yeah I would agree. And again, same same deal as um same deal as Howell. Not a guy that I'm grabbing off the waiver wire and immediately throwing into my lineup. He's definitely somebody that'll ride the bench for a week or two just so I can gauge what I can expect out of him on a week by week basis. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the guy that you're about to mention here in honorable mentions, I think I would probably take him over everybody except for maybe Winstead and Gadsden on this list. Alrighty, well, I, I, you know what? I was not super impressed with this stat line this past week, but you know what, Nate? I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Our honorable mention this week is Zion Bowens, the wide receiver out of Hawaii, finally coming back off of injury. Um, his past week, what was his stat line? I think he had one, uh, he had uh, maybe like five catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Okay. Um, so, Nate, I, I, why do you love Bowens so much? 
Well, he's he's been out most of the season um, with uh, with injury, and he's been back. I don't have his stats right up here in front of me, but since he's been back, I, I believe his first game back, he had 11 targets um, and uh, over 100 yards and a touchdown, and then he, he backed it up with another deep ball touchdown again this week. That offense, uh, pass, th- that pass offense of Hawaii is actually really bad, um, way worse than what we thought it was going to be with that air raid system that they run. But he's clearly their, their only real pass uh, option that they have, and he's a, he's a deep threat. He's a guy that I think will consistently get you eight to 10 targets a game. And I think, um, you know, that 15 points is right about his floor. Um, so I okay. think that if they get behind and they have to throw the ball a little bit, that you could see him, um, you know, have a pretty solid day. You guys heard it here. Nate, Nate, Nate calling his shot and saying uh, Zion mm-hmm. Bowen's worth more than some of the guys, official guys we talked about. So I would follow him. He's a pretty smart dude. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, we'll talk about our one tight end. Again, I guys, I tried. I really tried to go look for more tight end options. <laughs> uh, I nobody was really speaking to me that much. That was under forty percent roster ship on Fantrack. Only one that really kind of caught my eye was the pass catching option out of Arizona. That is Tanner McLaughlin, the tight end there. I was very big on the idea that uh, Keon Burnett, the tight, the freshman tight end, four-star, could kind of break out this year. But McLaughlin's kind of locked down that job. And in addition to that, he has locked in about four, five, six, seven targets. Pretty much six out of the last seven games, he is consistently involved in this offense. Uh, lately, he has started seeing the end zone just a little bit more. Again, the greatest tight end option in the world? No, he's not a Michael Meyer or like a Caden Prescorn or a guy like that. Um, but at the end of it, or a Dalton Kincaid, but again, if you're struggling at tight end and you just can't seem to find a guy that's getting you volume week in and week out, McLaughlin looks like that dude right now. Nate, what do you think about him? I think it's a great debate when we talk about like a tight end like him versus somebody like Sam Laporta, like a tight yeah. end that's, that's the fourth option, clearly fourth option on their team, but plays in an offense that is pass heavy air raid style throws it, you know, constantly in shootouts or the guy that's clearly the, the number one receiving option, but plays in this putrid, terrible, uh, antiquated offense that never throws the ball. So, um, but, but I think that uh, he's becoming, he's somebody that's definitely caught my attention. And if you're going to get five or six, targets a game like i said if that's what you're getting out of your out of your tight end that's really all you can ask for when you're when you're searching the waiver wire for guys to make spot starts for you so i think he's i think he's a very viable option two percent uh seems really low to me yeah i think i i, I this this was last year this was this oh god this show's been around for a while i asked xavier back when he co-hosted the show with me i gave him like a would you rather and i basically said like would you rather have a tight end that's guaranteed 10 points each week or a kicker that's guaranteed 10 points each week? And he said tight end without question because it's just such a volatile position. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And that's basically kind of what you're getting with McLaughlin here. Again, not 10 points guaranteed, but again, volume enough to feel comfortable with week in and week out with him. So mm-hmm. I like it. That is All right. Go ahead. No, I was just I, I agree. I'm 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 with you. If you if you need a solid uh you know 10 point floor type of tight end, I think he's a good option. 
Alrighty, that brings us pretty much to the end of our show. However, we have one more thing that we need to take care of. You guys were absolutely awesome in terms of responding to the survey that I put out there to help improve the show. I'm already trying to take a few things that I can now, work them into the show. Some of the things that I might want to change probably won't be able to happen until the off season where I'll have some extra time to work on some of the ideas and segments some of y'all might have suggested. We'll definitely see about that. But regardless, I promise y'all that one of you would be winning a scholarship tier yearly subscription to campusofcanton.com. And thus, that is what we're going to do today. I have taken all of you guys who have filled out the survey. I have your emails here. I took off the numbers and the at uh, in terms of what website you use because I'm not dumb. I'm not putting your emails out there like that. Um, but I will use it to identify who wins here. I got a random number generator here. We're gonna go with the first person. Uh, this will be the person we reach out to first. I'm also going to put out two backups if the first person does not respond. So first things first, random number generator here, one to 25, person number 22, that is Mr. B.L. Fawcett right here. Mr. B.L. Fawcett, I know you listen to the show quite often, so we're gonna go ahead and mark you with green as our first, our official winner. The rest of you, um, I'm gonna put down two more uh, backup options should the person, should um, B.L. Fawcett there not Respond, person number 20, that is going to be Mr. C-J-L-A Fernie. You are our backup option if B.L. Fawcett does not respond to us. And then one more backup option, just in case we need a third person. Person number nine, that is going to be, uh, that is going to be Mr. Mark Bit here. So again, if y'all are listening and everything, go ahead and reach out to me if you can. We'll go ahead and try to get that set up for you. I will move your emails over to the guys at campusofcanton.com and we will get uh, Mr. B.L. Fawcett set up with a scholarship tier membership there should they respond in a timely manner. Other than that, like I said, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. Nate, you have been absolutely awesome. Absolutely killed it this week. Again, so much great football to talk about and we still kept it right about an hour and a half. I consider that a massive win right there. Um <laughs> Again, you uh, you got your uh, regression article. I, I believe you own, maybe I missed it, but again, the only you have put out the article about the guys negatively negatively regressing. Are we getting another article that'll talk about the guys that should positively regress in terms of touchdowns moving forward? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, got a little, I got a little sidetrack. I got halfway through it, and then the weekend happened. So. Hey, big, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> hey, maybe's are good because that's still a possibility. I got to um, go out of town this week, so we'll see what happens. Hey, um, even so, tons of great stuff over at campusofkenton.com. Go check out all the other articles from all the guys over there. Got everything for your CFF, C2C, Debbie Leagues, anything you might need right over there. Uh, check out the C the other CTN episode that'll be coming out this Wednesday. Same thing as always, it'll be me and Chris Moxley. We will be discussing your sit starts and previewing the next week's games. Again, I hope that we can even get close to the kind of Game, the kind of weekend that we were able to get this past weekend it was incredible nate we talked about your article anything else you want to tease to people coming up here or are you just straight chilling no nothing nothing else going on nothing else at all <laughs> not so, much again you guys have been awesome again you guys have really helped out the show a lot this year we continue to grow we continue to bring in new people every single week so i really really appreciate all of you guys out there and yeah We'll keep it going, and we will see you guys on Wednesday.
Appreciate y'all. Have a wonderful and blessed day.